The, name, the title of this message is The Power of the Gospel to Persevere. And uh, it's really about what salvation is. There's different, there's different views about salvation. There's quite a few of them, really. And uh, how it works and, and um, what it is and how it works. And um, I think that the biblical view is, is um, the correct view, the true view, and, and it's, it's, it's controversial, but, but the... Yeah, okay. Now, how does that sound? Yes, the true view of salvation is a view that brings glory to God, gives God all the glory, and it also will bring peace and, and free them to our hearts. So if, if, we're, if we're believing something that isn't, isn't bringing peace and freedom to our hearts, it's not the biblical view. God has so designed his plan of salvation that he receives all the glory and that we, we have peace, we have freedom, and we have, we have power in our lives to obey the Lord. And so... Um, there's, there's three views that I want to highlight right now, very briefly, that are common in uh, evangelical churches. The first one uh, is that salvation depends on our, our perseverance in, in believing in Jesus and repenting. So if we believe, if we repent and believe we're saved, but we have to persevere in that repentance and faith. And if we don't, we'll lose our salvation. We'll lose our salvation. So um, some people believe that, that they're saved and then they live, they stop living the right way. And so then they're, they're not saved. And then they, they come back to the Lord. And so you can be saved and not saved and saved and not saved. And so we can see that this, if it's true, I mean, if it's true, we want to follow, we want to believe that way. But, but it's, if it's not true, it's not a, a way of believing that's going to lead us to freedom or peace or power in our, in our mans. But um, a lot of people believe that way, that you can lose your salvation because you, you don't keep believing. And uh, I mean, that could happen even till the time we die. I mean, what happens at the last few days of our life, we, we turn away. And so there's really not going to be a settled peace in our hearts. The second, the second way that people believe often is that uh, salvation does not depend on our perseverance at all. That we can come to the Lord, we, we go forward, we say a prayer, we make a decision, we accept Christ as our personal Savior, and we are saved eternally. We can't lose it, no matter, but no matter how we live, we don't have to persevere. We can, we can fall into sin, we can start practicing sin, we can get out of fellowship and, and not come back to church ever, and, but we're saved. We're going to heaven after we die. So that's also really a very common way of uh, that people believe the third one, which is what I believe is the biblical, uh, the biblical teaching on salvation, is that it is in fact necessary to to persevere in in repentance and faith. It is necessary. We need to keep believing, and we we need to continue to have that repentant heart before the Lord. But that 
that in fact we will keep believing if, if we are God's children, if we are born again. We will keep believing because God, God will give us the grace to continue to believe. He'll give us the power to continue to believe. He will preserve us in, his faith, in our faith and, and in repentance because he is the one that begins the work and he is the one that finishes the work. So I, I think it is clear that the Bible teaches that in fact, true salvation cannot be lost, but it's not a salvation without godly living. It's not a salvation without obedience. It's not a salvation without perseverance, but God gives the grace and we can be assured that God will continue giving us this grace. So. And the, Matthew 10 says, he who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, Hebrews 3.14 says, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Um, and then uh, Hebrews 12.14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians 6.9 says, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals. These covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So it's clear that salvation requires perseverance. But at the same time, we know that if we're born again, and if we, if we have really come to faith in our hearts, not, a, not through some external thing we've done, but, but we've really uh, come to faith in our hearts that we will not lose our salvation. And this is what, what the Bible teaches. Okay, so now I'm going to uh, read my text and, and say a prayer. And uh, the text is simply Philippians 1.6. But I'm going to read just a little context from the beginning of, of uh, Philippians, which says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of my making requests for you, all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, for you to bring forth your word by your spirit. I put my trust in you. May you be glorified. May you strengthen our faith today, and that you, may you be glorified in everyone's life who is hearing. Open our hearts to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Paul is concerned about the believers in Philippi. He's encouraging them. He loves them, and he's encouraging them um, that, uh, that the that the one who began this work in them, this good work, he says, will bring it to perfection until the day of Jesus Christ, until he comes back, until the last day. 
So this is a very encouraging um, promise. And so first he says being confident of this very thing. So confident is, is to be uh, persuaded, be convinced in our inner self. Uh, it's not something that we can make ourselves confident, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a great thing when God does that in our hearts. Because I think giving us that confidence that comes from him where we're persuaded of and have that conviction is what gives us power for the Christian living and power with God and, and in our lives to go out and do exploits for him. Um, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident and well pleased to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So he was confident about his departing this life. If you're confident about that, I mean, what else can, what else can really uh, harm you, you know? And then 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, I know whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Keep his soul, keep his faith intact. Um, but like I said, we are unable in our human natures to be convinced of spiritual things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is what growing in faith means. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, very important, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now, before we're saved, it's, we're, all, we're completely the natural man. Does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. He has no ability to know them. He can intellectually know them, but know them, be persuaded of them, no, because they are spiritually discerned. So um, this knowing, again, takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit, which is what Matthew 16, 17 says, Jesus answered and said to him, said to, to Peter, and he said, you are uh, Christ, the son of the blessed one. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but our father, my father who is in heaven. So it's a revelation of, of the father to be convinced about Jesus, to be convinced of our salvation. So he says, he who has begun a good work in you. First of all, it's God who began that work. It's God, it's almighty God, all-powerful, sovereign Lord, who is loving, who is good, who is holy. He's the one who began the good work in us if we are uh, saved, if we belong to him. So it says in Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord, God, behold, you have made heavens and earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So this is the God who, who has begun this good work in us. Now, what is the good work that he began? So I think it's, it implies two things. One, salvation. Salvation from the wrath of God. Um, salvation from the judgment of God. And he, he began that work in us. So that's this, this salvation, this work, is his work from beginning to end. He causes us to be born again by his spirit. Uh, and, and he enables us to repent and, he, and, uh, and believe. Uh, more on that later. But it says, Hebrews 12, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's the one that gives uh, Acts 5.31 repentance and 
uh, to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. He gives repentance. He gives faith. And also it implies not only salvation, but sanctification, which um, it, it goes together. Salvation always goes with sanctification. And uh, if there is no sanctification, there is no salvation. And true salvation brings with it that conformity into the progressive conformity into the image of Christ. Uh, and so um, he changes us into his image and he he separates sanctification is is that act of god whereby god um, separates us unto himself and purifies us from sin so this purifying us from sin well positionally it's complete at salvation he sees us as perfectly righteous he gives us his holy spirit and he sees in us the righteousness of Christ, which is a perfect righteousness. But in terms of our conduct, it's a progressive work that he progressively um, purifies us from sin. So, um, you know, we see in Ephesians 1.4, he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So this is, this, this is what he's, he's elected us not only for salvation, but he's elected us for sanctification. And it's going to happen. It will happen every time. It goes with salvation. Uh, so, um, so this is the good work that, that God has started. And only God could have started it because it's a good work. It's, it's a good work. And only God can do that good work. Uh, we cannot. We cannot. So in the natural... In our in the flesh, before we are saved, in the in the fallen human nature, we are impossible to do. It's impossible for us to do a truly good work. We can do good works, uh, humanly speaking, in comparison maybe to other people. But but to really do a good work, it needs to be done with the right motivation and and uh, for the glory of God and because we love the Lord and because we believe in Jesus. Uh, it's not just. Uh, some work that we do um, to uh, conform to some standard of good, human standard of good. We're not doing it for the right reasons. It's not really a good work in, in, uh, in God's sight. And, and now Romans 8, this is the New Living Translation, Romans 8, 7, says the sinful nature is always hostile to God. The sinful nature, which is what we were in, in sin, separated from God, dead in our sins and trespasses, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful natures can never please God, can never please God. And Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, there is none who understands. It says, there is none who does good, no, not one. So how can a person who, um, who is hostile to God by nature and who can't obey God, who do, does not obey God's law and cannot please God and cannot do good, how can they suddenly begin a good work, which is turning to Christ, that's a good work, and believing in him and embracing him and, and giving him our life, that is all a good work. We cannot begin this work. And we certainly can't bring it to completion. So uh, that is why Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one can come to me 
unless the Father who sent me draws him. And praise the Lord, he does draw us. He does draw us. He, you know, he would still be just and good if, if uh, no one was saved, but he has decided to save a people for himself, a number that cannot be numbered, a great multitude, it says. And so it says that um, God will have his people. So um, this is a work that God starts, that God continues, and, and he keeps on with that work until it's brought to perfection. What God begins, he completes. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. What a promise. Will complete it. He will complete that work, it says, until the day of Jesus Christ, until the very day he comes back, until we receive our resurrection bodies, he will complete that work. Um, praise the Lord. You know, like we, we, we start things, we have good intentions, and, uh, but often we don't follow through. We sometimes follow through and we sometimes don't. We try to follow through, we try to be faithful, but no one always is faithful and always finishes what they start. And uh, even our physical projects, I mean, we have good intentions and it, it, it's, it's never finished, right? But, but when God starts something, when he intends to do something, he, he, he always brings it to pass. And he knows what is good and he has the power to perform it. And so he, we know that what he starts, that good work that he starts, because it was his idea to begin with to start that work, not ours, but his, we know that he will bring it to pass. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it will come to pass. And, I, and as I have purposed, so it will stand. So this is Isaiah 14, 24. So this is a wonderful promise that that the one who began the good work will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. So here's um, just a quick summary of how God begins and completes the work of salvation um, in our lives. So this is, uh, these, these, uh, these things I'm gonna highlight, these steps, uh, the, the steps that God performs uh, in, in theology, it's called the order of salvation. I'm not going to dwell on it. There's um, a whole teaching, well, it could be, should be devoted or even a whole class on the order of salvation. And this is seen from God's perspective, not from man's perspective. We experience it a little differently or we can experience it differently, but God. So the scripture reveals that first, in eternity, before the world was created, before we even existed, he determined to save a, a people for himself. Um, it says in Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And there's so many verses that plainly teach this, uh, that... Um, that this is uh, the truth. It's hard for some people to accept, but God, uh, being God, being infinite, being all-powerful, being sovereign, um, he does this without violating our freedom in any way, but uh, he determines in eternity past to save a people for himself. That's called election. And then 
then he sends his son to redeem uh, uh, that people. And um, it says in 1 John 4, 10, in his love, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to be the propitiation. That means the price that is paid to satisfy the wrath of God. That's a propitiation. It's a price. It's a sacrifice that's paid to satisfy the wrath of God. And the wrath of God has been satisfied. His justice has been satisfied. All sins were paid for past, present, and future for his people. And so he sends his son to die for the sins of his people. And then number three, then in time, God calls a people to himself, or he, he really, he enables them to come to him. He calls them to himself. It says, moreover, eight, Romans 8.30, whom he predestined, these he also called. He called. That means he inwardly called them. There's an outward call. I can give an outward call. But there's an inward call by the Spirit, an invisible call, but a very real call. That's an inward call and a spiritual call where God sh reveals himself. And he... Um, he summons us to himself. He individually summons us to himself. And we gladly come because we see the holiness and the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and we see our need of him. And we, we gladly come to him because he calls us. Acts 2.39, Peter's preaching in Acts 2.39, he says, For the promise is to you and to your children. For and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, what could be clearer than that? So the promise is to the children, to the many, to them, to their children, and many as are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. That's who the promise is for. Uh, praise the Lord. So then... Uh, when he calls us, uh, he gives us he gives us a new heart. That is, um, we're regenerated. That is, Jesus comes to live inside of our heart. We pass from death to life. Uh, and so Ezekiel 36 says, "I will." Uh, 26 says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone and and uh, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. So that's giving us a new heart. And so we see that um, really we're regenerated prior to faith, prior to, now to us, it's all happening at the same time. It really is. To us, it seems as if we believe and then we're regenerated. But, but God opens our hearts. He, he, um, he enables us to believe. And so we do. He quickens us to, to faith. And so, um, so then we're converted. We're converted when, when he calls us and he, and he, he quickens us to, to believe the gospel. We repent and we believe. And that's called conversion. Conversion is, is, um, is the result of the new birth. It's, it's our response to God when we repent and when we believe. And so that's conversion. And then as soon as we do that, as soon as we believe, God justifies us. Justification. That means he, he, he declares that we are just before him, really perfect before him, even though we're not, but he sees us that way. And, and, he, and he credits to us the perfect righteousness of Christ, 
Praise the Lord. And it says, Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then after we believe and are justified, he adopts us into his children. That means he, he officially makes us his children. He gives us a permanent position in his family as beloved children, a place of honor in his family. And it's a fixed, just like with our children, they'll never not be our children. And so the same, when God adopts us, it's a, it's a, um, it's a fixed position that we have with him in his family. And so, it's, and so it says in Romans 8, 15, you have not received again the, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah. So then after, after he, and, but to us, again, this is happening, happens at the same time. You know, we, 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 are, we believe, we repent, we're born again, we're justified, we're adopted. It's just in an instant. But this is the logical order as I think the Bible reveals. So then um, God sanctifies us, which means he progressively purifies us of sin. Now, we'll never be perfect in this life, but... <laughs> but if we are saved, we have a new heart. Now we've passed from death to life. Jesus is living in us, and we have that new life, and it's going to manifest more and more in our lives, and that's what should happen. And um, so um, then after that, and while he's doing that, he keeps us. He preserves us uh, in him. He, he, he keeps us by the power of his spirit, by his grace, that same grace that enabled us to come to him from the beginning continues on with us so that we continue to believe in, in, uh, in, in Jesus. And then lastly, um, he perfects us. And uh, at death, he perfects us at the moment of our death. And then at the moment of Christ, at the time of Christ coming, uh, he raises up our body, uniting our spirit with our body, and, and the, the whole work that he began is consummated, is brought to completion. That's why it says, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He perfects us. That's called glorification. So we see here from eternity past to eternity uh, future that, this, that salvation is God's work from beginning to end. Uh, he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it, will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So that's why we can have that confidence that if we see evidence in our life of that good work, we know that we've been called, we've been born again, and we're, we're on the way, and, and this is God's work. And so if, if we thought it was our work, <laughs> there would be no firmness, there would be no, there would be no confidence that we could possibly have. We don't know that we could continue it, but because it's his work, praise the Lord, and he's sovereign and all-powerful, and he's promised that he would bring it to completion over and over again, then we know that he will. So this promise is glorious. And, um, but I just want to point out that there's more promises uh, that uh, say that a truly saved person 
cannot lose their salvation because of the grace of God, because of, of um, God's plan of salvation. Uh, and, and really, um, as I've taught the word in especially Latin America, we teach and people rejoice and we get to this point. And believe it or not, I get more questions about this point. This is more controversial than about, any, even more than like unconditional election or anything else. This point is, you know, people have struggled with this point. They want to believe it. They say, this is too good to be true. Or do I dare believe it? Maybe I'll, I'll get overconfident and I'll live a sinful life. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all, because the ones who believe in him uh, have a new heart and they want to obey the Lord. They want to love the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been changed. And and so this is the glory of the gospel, that it both gives that total freedom and results in holiness at the same time. Praise the Lord. But I just want to highlight some other promises. Um, in, in Romans 8.30, it says, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Again, the calling. And those whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things of God before us? Who can be against us? So we see here that's called the golden chain of salvation. And there's different links. And it's an unbreakable chain. So if we're part of that chain at any point, we're part of the whole chain. If we've been justified, if we've come to faith, it means we've been called. It means we've been predestined. And it means we will be glorified. So this is a sure thing. Sure thing for those who have been called of the Lord. Praise the Lord. John 6.39, this is, to me it's ironclad. Jesus is saying, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. I will lose not one of the one who, that has been, um, that has been given to me. And then he says, in another verse in John 6, he says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. So that we know that if we've truly come, it means we've been given. And if we've been given, he will not lose even one. Not one will be lost. So that, to me, is ironclad. But there's more. It's John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And 1 Corinthians 1.8 says, Who will confirm you to the end. God will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself, himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I, I find that very encouraging. He who calls you is faithful. That's why it's going to happen, because of the faithfulness of God. Not because we have some innate power to be faithful in ourselves, but God is faithful. That's why we're faithful. And so he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Hallelujah. Okay, so 
there are numerous passages or a few passages in the Bible that appear to be saying that you can lose your salvation. But uh, I believe that the vast majority of those passages refer to uh, falling away from an outward profession of faith, uh, from an external religion. So uh, there are people who can very much appear to be saved when in fact they're not. Um, God sees the inside of our hearts. We don't see the inside of our hearts. So people can come to church, they can carry Bibles, they can join groups, they can even evangelize. Um, but if in their hearts they haven't believed from their hearts, we can't just go through motions. We can't just do external things. We have to he, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart, you shall be saved, that Jesus was raised from the dead. For with the heart, man believes unto salvation. So we have to believe from our innermost being. And so that faith produces a changed life. It produces that, that power to, to persevere. And so, um, so people, people come and, and they, they say a sinner's prayer, they're, they're baptized in water, but these it's not through completing certain requirements that we're saved. No, it's, it's through really repenting and really believing. It's through a work of God in our hearts whereby, whereby we are made new. We're, we're, we're born again. We receive the Spirit of God. We're changed. It's a deep change within us. It's not a superficial thing. Salvation is not a superficial religious thing. No, it's not. So that's the point. So it's very possible to fall away from profession of faith or an external religion, appear to be falling away. I mean, that's what apostasy is. And then, uh, but not uh, from true salvation, true um, when God calls somebody to himself. Matthew seven twenty one says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. It's not that they, he knew them and then, or they knew him and he knew them, and then he didn't know them. He said, I never knew them, and yet, they did all these works. They were in the church. They worked hard. They had impressive ministries. And so, so this is the, there's a difference between true conversion and just an external performance of religion. Okay, so an application here. Again, if there's if the true salvation produces evidences produces fruits in our life. And so if we can see even a seed of that evidence in our life, we can be encouraged that, that God has begun that good work in our life. And so we can see things in our life that would be impossible for an unregenerate person. You know, do, do, we, do we believe in Jesus from our hearts? And, and do, we, do we persevere in that faith? Perseverance itself is, a, is a evidence of true salvation. Do, uh, do we have that heart that wants to obey the Lord? 
And do we love the Lord? Do we love our brothers and sisters? And so this, these are things that an unregenerate person doesn't do because by nature, enemy of God, hostile to God, unable to submit themselves to the law of God, they don't follow God because they don't want to follow God. They want to go their own way dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, according to our own pleasures and lusts and self-focused desires. So we see in the scripture um, many evidences uh, that accompany salvation, true salvation. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, I think First John was written for that reason. First John was written so that we might know. It says these things have been written that you might know that you have eternal life and that you might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so 1 John was written to discern between the true and the false because people, the Gnostics were saying, oh, we believe in Jesus. We've been born again. We walk in the light, but they often were living a sinful life and they felt themselves superior to other brothers and sisters and wouldn't have fellowship with him. And so John's clarifying all these things, that whoever walks, whoever walks in the light have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So I encourage you to study the book of 1 John. It's all about knowing the difference between the, the true God and not the true God. Uh, the true faith, what it really means to be born of him, those who are born again, those who know him, those who walk in the light and those who don't. So um, here we got uh, 1 John 2, 3. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So a true child of God will not be perfect, will not maybe always obey, but they have a heart that, that, that wants to obey. And they strive to obey. And they're not comfortable living in sin. Now, a sinner sins and is comfortable living in sin, but a believer is not comfortable living in sin. And he strives to submit himself to the Lord Jesus Christ. First um, John 3, 7 in the New Living Bible, it says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because God's life is in them, because they are children of God. So now we can tell who the children of God and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So we see that salvation produces that, that profound change, which change of heart, and then, and then change on the inside, change of disposition, change of attitude, change of motivation and then that manifests itself in in our works so a lot of we see the works but God looks at the heart so sometimes someone can live a pretty rough life but in their heart they could really have that changed life and it will come out then because people need to learn 
right and what God wants. And so then people who are of him, they listen to his words and they want to obey and they want to learn. And so that's a sign of, of salvation. And we see that a born again person just, just doesn't live. A, how could they do that? Uh, their savior that they're trusting to save them and then they rebel against him and, and do all the things he hates. Why would we do that then as, as believers? It's just contradictory to what it means to believe. And so then First um, John 3.14, we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. I think we love all people, but we, we love the brethren. We, we really want to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I remember uh, before I was saved as a very young man, and I was hearing people witness, and I was around Christians before I was saved for a time. I didn't want to be around them. But once I got saved, once Jesus saved me, gave me a new heart, I was actually isolated in a, in a cult, and I came out of it. And the first thing I wanted, where are other people who believe I want to be with them? <laughs> and so that's just a sign, loving our brothers and sisters, that fellowship, of, of being born again. We want to be around people who have the same spirit of God. And, and we know by that that uh, we've passed from death to life. Praise the Lord. So we see different tests, and, and there are many, really. And, and, and the scriptures just keep saying the same thing uh, wherever you look. But uh, you see in First John, for example, you see there's a test of doctrine. You know, you believe the right things about Jesus. There's a test of obedience. There's a, the proof or the evidence of obedience. You have that obe obe obedient heart. Um, there's a test of, of, of confession, too, that, that, uh, which means that we recognize that we are sinners, that we don't say that, that you know, we recognize our need for him, our condition before him, that we are sinners and, and that we are quick to recognize our sins, that that's, that's evidence of um, a, true, a true Christian. And, and uh, lastly, uh, love. We love the Lord. <laughs> we love one another. And so th these are, these are, this is what he who has begun a good work will perfect it. And so we know if, if we see these things in us and increasing, we know that this is God's work and he's begun this work. And so we know by his word that he's going to finish that work. Even though sometimes we might, you know, we might get off course, we might uh, struggle, but we, we, we rest, we rest in him. We, we, we trust him to finish that which he has started. And, uh, and we find ourselves with power to continue to believe. When we struggle in our own strength, we won't. If we think it depends on us, we won't. But thank God, he who has begun a good work in us will bring it to perfection. And so he says, um, I am confident of this very thing. And so this is, there's great power in, 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 in this confidence that God can give us to be confident, to have confidence with Almighty God who's infinitely holy, to have that confidence with him as his child. This is what gives us real power on the inside. So that's why, I mean, I'm still, I'm still consider myself, a, a, well, I'm a continuationist. I'm still charismatic. 
but I'm not in, I don't see the power of God primarily in the charismatic movement that's detached from truth, that, that if you just have emotional experiences or some kind of thing that you, manifestation that you attribute to a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and you're constantly seeking that, something like that that you experience, uh, that's here today and tomorrow it's no longer. But when you have this, this confidence from within, that this is real power that sets you free deep within to live the Christian life. And so um, that's why uh, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. That the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do we want power? Yes, we do. Where do we find it? We find it in the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ, who is God made flesh and who died for our sins as our substitute and who has promised to be with us even to the end and to never leave us or forsake us. Hallelujah. Ephesians 3.12, Paul said, in whom we have boldness. We have boldness in him. We have boldness in Christ and access with confidence through faith in him. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 15.57, Paul winds up this chapter. He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, knowing that the one who has begun this work will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you administer the truth of this to the hearts of your people, to encourage them in their walk, to give them power to persevere in you and to use them in a mighty way in your service, however you choose. And uh, may this be for your glory and for your honor and for those who uh, may not have yet come to this saving relationship with you, Lord, that you would stir them to truly believe from their hearts in you, in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you will begin this good work in them and, Lord, that you will also bring this work to completion in them. Thank you, Lord. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.